Now on your behalf, I am thrilled to introduce today's guest speaker. Hurricane Sandy has reared her head as we know, um, and as a result, the most honorable Portia Simpson Miller, despite my protestations to the contrary, uh, Jamaica's seventh prime minister, uh, has changed her plans and rightfully returned home. Um, and it is our very good fortune to have with her a very distinguished member of her cabinet, Senator A.J. Nicholson, Minister of Foreign Affairs and Foreign Trade. Jamaica, as we are all very well aware, is an island paradise whose products and services, and above all, its people, continue to make very important contributions around the world, and in particular, to this country. Senator Nich Nicholson has a very long history of dedicated service to Jamaica, first as a lawyer, followed by many years in government service. From 1995 until 2007, he served as the island's Attorney General. He was also the Minister of Legal Affairs, as well as the Minister of Justice. He's been a member of the Senate since 1998 and the legal advisor to the People's National Party, the current ruling party, since 1996. He studied law at the University of Toronto, although I understand briefly flirted with studying in Canada, um, and also holds a Bachelor of Science degree. He was appointed Queen's Council in 1995, among numerous other accolades and contributions both to Jamaica and the Caribbean. As everyone in this room knows, it's been a very exciting year for Jamaica um, as it celebrates, and in fact, the, many people around the world celebrate the 50th anniversary of its independence. There's been a lot of celebrating, and there always is, where Jamaica is concerned, and particularly here in Canada. And we look forward to hearing more about that now. Senator Nicholson, the Canadian Club podium is yours. Thank you. You know, that kind of introduction tells me that I had better deliver properly. <laughs> I cannot be a substitute for the most honorable Portia Simpson Miller. So you will have to forgive any mistakes. Her Excellency Sheila Seeler Monteith, High Commissioner for Jamaica to Canada. Madam President, Alison, thank you very much. Thank you for her. Honorable Margaret Best, we are proud of her, very proud of her. <laughs> Mr. Seth George Ramakan, Consul General of Jamaica at Toronto, and Dr. Lola. And this really pleases my heart, the Honorable John Turner, former 
Prime Minister of Canada. I see over here my, our good Jamaican friend, our good Canadian friend, Honorable Ray. Our young students, wonderful people, aren't they? And I got a couple of photographs with them and I shall cherish them. Distinguished guests, I extend, this by the way is the Prime Minister's speech, not mine. <laughs> please, please understand that. <laughs> I, 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 I am not anyway attempting to fill those kinds of shoes. I can't. So, on behalf of the most honorable Portia Simpson Miller, Prime Minister of Jamaica, I extend a warm Jamaican greeting to the Directorate of the Canadian Club of Toronto and to all who are here with us this afternoon. I'm here in Canada at the kind invitation of the Right Honorable Stephen Harper, Prime Minister, to pay an official visit to this country and its people who have been friends of Jamaica for much longer than the 50 years of our formal diplomatic relations would suggest. History records that more than 200 years ago, the first Jamaicans arrived in this country, and it would seem that our people have been making their presence and impact felt ever since. My visit coincides with the celebration of the 50th anniversary of the formal establishment of diplomatic relations between Jamaica and Canada. It also falls within the year of our golden jubilee, 50 years since we took hold of the reins of our independence from colonial rule and embarked on a journey of discovery as to how we would make good on the promise of building a society that was just and an economy which provided for the well-being of all. So many years later, in the midst of the celebration which must necessarily accompany a milestone of such significance, we temper our perspective with a balanced assessment of how far we have come and how much further we need to go. Indeed, we can safely admit that we are a nation on a mission, determined to secure that common good which all nations seek, and to, seek, to seize the opportunities presented by the 21st century world, which we call home. I begin with this reflection because it is easy to ignore the fact that we have been at this business of nation building for only 50 years, far less time than many with longer histories and more favorable circumstances 
and with which we are often unjustly compared. This is not to suggest that we can be idly excused for not making good on promises and for not seizing the opportunities that have time and time again been presented. It is very simply a reminder that our little country started out with severe hardships. And for that reason, the struggles through which we must necessarily pass would be more intense and the efforts more consistently applied to take us where we need to be. Over the years of our independence, we have dallied with trending economic models to varying degrees. We have sought to move our country from its dependence on one sector of the economy, and we have at various points increased our openness by developing commercial relations with countries all over the world. We entered into trading arrangements such as LOME, now devolved into the Economic Partnership Agreement with the, with the European Union. CARIFTA reincarnated as CARICOM, and more recently, the CSME, the Caribbean Basin Initiative, and CARIBCAN, among others, all of which were aimed at seeking a foothold in the global trading market for our exports, by which we would increase our revenues and our ability to meet our needs at home. Our relationships with these and other countries were furthered in regional and international organizations such as the Organization of American States, the Commonwealth, and the United Nations, where the equality of our votes and the similarity of our interests made it possible for a small country like ours to have a say in global decision-making. Canada has, in this regard, been a great friend of Jamaica, one of the first with which we established diplomatic relationships at independence, and with which, over the years, we have engaged in areas of cooperation in a number of fields which have been of benefit to both countries. Today, Jamaica remains a small developing country in many respects. And I say this because where it concerns certain opportunities, we are deemed to be middle income and thus unable to benefit from debt relief initiatives and concessionary financing destined for low-income countries. Our reliance on imported oil is severe, and with every upward movement in the price externally, our economy is impacted negatively. We live under the constant threat of natural disasters such as hurricanes, <laughs> floods, and droughts in their various extremes. We are made more vulnerable to external shocks and developments as they have been occurring with greater frequency and strength in the past several years. We continue to believe in keeping our economy open 
which is why we support the multilateral trading system governed by the World Trade Organization. We further believe that in the unequal world in which we live, and where those inequalities are perpetuated by the differences in circumstances, natural or human derived, there must be protection for those who are unquestionably at a disadvantage, such as the small and vulnerable island states, those which, with heavy debt burden, burdens, with minimal natural resources, and those seeking to recover from great shocks, whatever their origin. Ladies and gentlemen, as you well know, I took on the leadership of the country as its first female prime minister. I told you that you would forgive me. <laughs> and for the second time around in January of this year, it is true to say that Jamaica of today, 50 years since the end of colonial rule, is far removed in many respects from that which the right excellent Sir Alexander Bustamante and the right excellent Norman Manley two of our national heroes, so strongly made the case for independence at Lancaster House in London in 1962. Our infrastructure rivals many in more developed parts of the world. We have reduced significantly our reliance on primary products and have embraced the realities of a technological and information age with the ICT, agro-processing, manufacturing, and new and creative service industries among the areas we are determined to develop in leaps and bounds. Tourism is the largest earner of foreign exchange. And to that extent, we have taken seriously the investment that is necessary in the infrastructure, in the industry, in the attractions, and in our marketing. As I have come to Canada at a time when your temperatures are not as high as at home, I am reminded of why so many Canadians visit us at this time of the year. And I encourage you to continue to do so. And the Honorable Ray Chen will tell you, this is not in the script, of course, <laughs> but he will tell you that we will warmly welcome you. We have found it necessary to be realistic about our limitations. We will and must continue to rely on the support of others, as we cannot do it alone. Just the will alone is not enough. It must be backed up with action, strategies that are real and practical. It is with this in mind that my administration supports wholeheartedly Vision 2030, the blueprint for Jamaica's development in the year 2030, when ours will become a country which is a place of choice for people to live, work, raise families, and to do business.
Canada's decision to make its own neighborhood a priority with its American strategy, America's strategy is a welcome one, seeking as it does to promote prosperity and progress within the hemisphere. The United States has also communicated its interest in continuing to work with the countries of the Caribbean to deal with the seemingly intractable challenges of insecurity, crime and violence, human, drug and arms trafficking, and the challenges of the environment and poverty, among others. Our circumstances at home, it would be remiss for, of me to fail to mention the main problem that so readily comes to mind in the eyes of so many of our onlookers, that of cr the crime rate and associated violence. We are not pleased with this aspect of our country's reputation, not the least for the reason that we cannot allow miscreants and those who do not share our passion for the good and the positive to hold us hostage. My government has been firm on the approach that it is taking, that it will not tolerate antisocial behavior of the depraved kind that we have seen and that our country will not be a haven for criminals. We will work to protect our citizens, the young and the aged especially. We have been fortunate to have received significant external help in our crime-fighting strategies from, the government, from governments, such as Canada, aimed at strengthening police capabilities and the justice system in our country. Alongside that, please, Alongside that, we hope that progress in the social and economic spheres will make criminality less attractive to those who would otherwise be disposed in that direction. Our world-class products, such as Appleton Rum, <laughs> and the Blue Mountain Coffee, And tourism brands such as Sandals and Super Clubs are all reminders of Jamaica's ability to compete globally. Our task for the next 50 years is to build on our unique identity as a global cultural superpower. At the same time, I am happy to remind that Jamaica is the very country which has defied every limitation of its size. to produce phenomenal achievements in the areas of culture, arts, music, and sports. We gave the world, <laughs> we gave the world Marcus Garvey. Bob Marley. Louise Bennett. And of course, who? <laughs> we are aware of the increased potential in Canada.
for placing Jamaicans in the marketplace in areas such as mining, construction, and hospitality. It is appreciated that there remains a demand for drivers, heavy equipment operators, hospitality workers for hotels and the food industry, and licensed practical nurses. In the thrust for economic expansion and growth, this government has targeted certain key sectors, namely energy, tourism, information communications technology, small and medium enterprise, improved business facilitation, revamping of incentives regime. Tourism has grown from a primarily exclusive industry reserved for a few privileged travelers to a multi-billion dollar industry welcoming over three million tourists in 2011 to Jamaica. Tourism, yeah. Tourism is an integral part of our economy and vital to development. Jamaica continues to hold its own in the tourism market, welcoming close to 1.5 million visitors between January and September this year, an increase of over 3% over the comparative period last year. I am pleased that there is a sustained increase in Canadian tourist stopovers. Direct airlift from Jamaica is now available from several Canadian gateways, inclusive of special charters and regular non-stop flights from major cities, including, of course, Toronto, Edmonton, and Ottawa. ICT is another positive growth area that Jamaica is seeking uh, investment partners to develop the ICT space. The aim is to promote Jamaica as a business processing outsourcing destination. In an attempt to further create incentives for foreign investors, the government recently passed the Overseas Tax Incentive Bill, aimed at providing incentives for multinational corporations operating in multiple jurisdictions to do business activities in Jamaica. It is aimed at attracting additional economic activity to Jamaica to ensure levels of employment for Jamaicans as well as regulate the operation of companies. And so, over the years of 50th, of our, over the year of our 50th anniversary, Jamaica has embarked on year-long celebrations that are not only a fitting reminder of our many achievements, but equally represent an opportune time for reflection, and ideally, 50 years signifies a measure of maturity when one comes into one's own, exuding confidence in one's destiny and purpose. We are conscious that there is much that remains to be done. Even some of our more seasoned nations are facing dark days through which they too will pass successfully, as we have hope in the light of tomorrow. We too 
are intent on taking our rightful place among those which count on peace, well-being, and justice as the foundations of their society and where we can remain grateful to the Almighty for the blessings which he continues to bestow on us. Thank you all and have a good afternoon. Prime Minister Turner, elected officials, Your Excellence, students and guests, it's my pleasure to thank uh, the Minister uh, Nicholson for, uh, for his remarks today on your behalf. Uh, Minister, you may be aware of, uh, of a certain uh, Canadian import, export, sorry, by the name of Russell Peter. Now, I can't share all of Russell Peters' content uh, at this podium, but, but I, I will share with you uh, his comment on Jamaicans. And he's famously said that there are two types of people in the world, Jamaicans and those who wish they were Jamaicans. <laughs> mm. uh, uh, a bold statement. Uh, my version is that there are two types of people, those who know and love Jamaica and those who long to know Jamaica. As a proud Canadian of Jamaican heritage, I am especially proud uh, to be hosting someone of your importance to Jamaica on a podium or at a podium that has been so important to Canada for over a century. Despite our long history, I think the following presentation is a first. So I'd like to welcome Quinton Versetti and Camille Gordon to the podium, please. So I believe this is Camille. So in the spirit of uh, being flexible and adapting as challenges come our way, we took the original plan to have Camille and her colleague paint uh, a portrait of uh, the Honorable Portia Simpson Miller live during her speech and present it to her afterward. And uh, they actually created this in, uh, in the last 24 hours. So. So, Minister, uh, we trust you will help uh, deliver that back to Jamaica in, uh, in, in top-notch shape so that uh, it can be received by, by the Prime Minister. Thank you very much, Camille. Thank you. Minister, I trust that uh, the Most Honourable Portia Simpson-Miller will be successful 
in her duel with Hurricane Sandy. Uh, regardless of what happens, please know that we are watching, and as we always do, we will step up to help in any way that we can. I'm speaking on behalf of everybody. <laughs> so, Minister, please convey our best regards to the Prime Minister and accept our warmest thanks for uh, standing in, entertaining us, and informing us this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Camille. Thank you, Mishi, wherever you are in the crowd. Uh, and a very special thank you, uh, Senator Nicholson, for being with us today. Um, for Jamaica's first female prime minister, you're looking wonderful. <laughs> Along with Nick and on behalf of the Canadian Club, um, please allow us to, and, and if you could, convey our, that our thoughts and prayers are with you and the Prime Minister and everyone in Jamaica at this time. Um, and finally, again, Sylvia, on behalf of Scotiabank, thank you very, very much for your support. <laughs> now this can, yes? Scotiabank is in Jamaica, before I ever hit the line. Well, there we go. I, here is something. They say you learn something new every day, and I'll share, thank you, Mr. Turner, uh, who's let us know that Scotiabank was in Jamaica before it was in Toronto. <laughs> Clearly, I was alone in not knowing that. <laughs> now, this does conclude our television programming, and it will be broadcast on Rogers Television in the days to come. Thank you very much to Rogers and to 680 News for your continued coverage of Canadian club events. And of course, you can learn more about us by visiting our website at canadianclub.org. Thank you again to everybody uh, for such a wonderful and engaging lunch. Thank you in particular, Senator Nicholson. And we are adjourned. Thank you.